Hello, my friends, and welcome into today's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. We have a guest co-host today. Father Joseph Anthony Cress is back. He's been a guest multiple times, but he's never co-hosted an entire show. So we are thrilled to have him. He is a Dominican priest who is on God's Planning, another very popular podcast. Um, and we just have a grand old time together. We talk a, a little bit about him, uh, get to know him a little bit better. We talk about how we're all probably a little bit more equipped to help other people grow in our faith than we might think. Uh, we also talk about uh, fitting into the world versus being against it. I've, I've been coming up against some um, some scenarios in my life where I've been kind of wrestling um, with that balance. And speaking of balance, uh, we talk about a, uh, a recent uh, mass I went to where the singer was doing just a little too much and finding some balance between uh, expanding on her, our horizons and just kind of keeping it simple. So we hope that you enjoy today's episode. If you do, please Please hit the subscribe button wherever you are watching or listening to this. If you don't, I honestly don't really care because I know this is a good episode that you you will either will enjoy it or you probably won't come back. Because if you don't like this one, I don't really know what to tell you. Enjoy. Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll, and I am joined today by someone who has been a guest multiple times mm-hmm. on the show, but has never been a guest co-host. Father Joseph Anthony Cress is here. Father, how are you? Oh, man, I'm doing amazing. Uh, I, I feel like I've leveled up uh, in life uh, because I've gone from guest to guest co-host now. So I'm feeling very, very groovy right now. I'm feeling uh, like I'm living life and living large because I've now slipped into a new phase of life. And that is being a co-host, co-host <laughs> on Forte Catholic. So I'm, I'm loving this. I think we're, we're at a good spot. Uh, I'm excited. You're, you're a co-host on a very, very popular podcast. So it's funny that you think this is an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, it, it's a, you get so excited when there's like this kind of like new transition the first time. It's like, yeah, okay. I know how to be a guest on your podcast. We'll see if I know how to be a guest co-host. We'll see. I, I think we can do it, though. I'm excited for it. The answer is probably not, but we'll find out over the next hour. <laughs> well, you do a great job of instilling confidence in your co-host. Fine. I get that. Oh, well, no. like That's what makes you... like You, you think just being invited is like when you've made mm-hmm. it. When I'm no yeah. longer nice to you and I'm only making fun of you, that's when you know you've made it with me because that's how I treat my uh, real co-hosts. Okay. <laughs> All right. I see. Now, you've you've just moved the goalposts for me. Now I have something new to strive for. Right. I see it. Uh, the subtle strive coaching. Subtle coaching skills. <laughs> so uh, you have been on before and y- yep. you were... Um, you were one of my favorite guests like to Aww. talk to on the show but okay. what really set you apart from the other guests was um, you were a guest back when this show was like live on radio like five six seven years ago you know and mm-hmm. uh, how live radio worked was if somebody canceled on you you were just plain screwed because you had to go live in like 10 minutes or whatever there were multiple times and you said this whenever we met you're like if you ever need somebody last minute you're like i don't have any responsibilities just call no. me and I'll, <laughs> and I'll show up and you did that multiple times a few times yeah <laughs> there, there were a few times where back in the day you know, we go we go way back, you and I, uh, on this whole like, you know, podcasting multimedia gig. 
But there were those times that, you know, I regretted offering that invitation. I thought, you know, you just throw that out there like as a kind gesture, as something nice. Like, oh, yeah, if you ever need me, let's do it. You freaking took me up on that offer and called me like, yo, this afternoon, (laughs) can you jump on? I was like, yeah, I'll I'll rearrange my meetings and, and whatnot and we'll jump on. But it's always been fun. Like I, there's a certain level of like risk that's involved in that. There's a certain level of like kind of excitement of like, hey, we're going to jump into this, have a few ideas and fly by the seat of our pants and like, let's just roll with it. Uh, let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And to me, that's a lot of fun. I enjoy that. And so, yeah, I, uh, I took you took me up on that offer and then I responded and then uh, look at us now. Look at us. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Look at us. Here we are. Look at us. Yeah. Uh, what, what's funny is like that 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 entire experience that you just said is strange and new for you. But what like that's a normal episode for us. Like this is exactly <laughs> how we do it. You know, so we just kind of show up, and I tell the co-host kind of what we're going to talk about, and then we just go. record and go, and we argue about technical setups and things. Like I, that, that's a weekly thing. You'd think that with the normal co-host, we've been doing this for four years, still, still arguing about it. Still nothing, <laughs> nothing. So uh, let's do a a brief uh, reintroduction for those who. You know, the eight people that, that, that don't know who you are. Um, and I would like to do this specifically getting re-getting acquainted with you by yes. you going through the things that are physically behind you. Those that are watching oh, on YouTube can see that. Yes. Those who are yes. listening on audio will just have <laughs> the audio experience of describing the things that are behind you on your desk. Because I think it's actually a pretty good mm-hmm. conglomeration of who you are. You know, I actually, as you, it, you're because you're right, it is. Um, and as you're describing that and kind of leading me through that i think that's going to be a new tactic that i have when i like deal with spiritual direction or when i deal with like let's look at the past life and describe the things that are behind you right now (laughs) describe those things that are like on your little bookshelf right over your shoulders like it it tells me who you are so let me get to know you by looking in your past and describe that which is behind you now now let's talk about your future um our our, anyway. our guest co-host this week, a woman from the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you know? <laughs> I mean, you Is are wearing a white dress, so it makes Easy. perfect sense. <laughs> the sucker goes back 800 years. Okay. Um, but no, I'm happy to describe the things behind me. And I got a few other little things uh, to my side that I can uh, bring up for the camera to see. But. Uh, the first thing I'm trying to like make sure I'm doing this correctly. The first thing behind me is a coal miner's helmet, which is my father's coal miner's helmet. So I grew up in Southeast Ohio, uh, in a small town on the Ohio river. And my father was a coal miner. And so when he retired, he, uh, was able to give me his helmet and I keep it with me and I, uh, have it in my office cause I'm very proud of that. And I'm a son of a blue collar family. Uh, learned my work ethic from my parents and which is a crazy thing. My, my dad always, I love this, like growing up, my dad always said like, you know, study hard in school so you don't have to work hard like I do. <laughs> the reality was like, I have his work ethic in my blood. So it doesn't matter what I do. I'm just going to be working my tail off. But so um, you've seen Zoolander, correct? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so you're... Derek Zoolander. You, you're, you're the done. guy that's like, you, you have the job where you never get your hands dirty. You, you went, you know, the dad's yeah. all grizzled and a real man. And uh, and here we are, uh, not not getting our heads dirty in our professional mm-hmm. lives. <laughs> what are you saying about me, huh? I don't work hard? Uh, uh, you're a male model, dirty. is what I'm yeah, telling I'm a male you. Model. <laughs> 
Yeah, you shoot that blue steel off every now and yeah. then, you know. <laughs> I got the black lung pop. Yeah, that, like that's how I imagined all of your conversations with your father is you no, having the black no. lung and coughing. Yeah. yeah. And him being so. disappointed in you. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at your past okay. let's look behind yeah, let's go back father. to my past okay <laughs> and uh, the next thing is another family uh connection that i have that right there is a bobblehead of yours truly <laughs> that is a it, legit both incredible and like a little prideful to have it behind you i love it i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> well uh it was my it was a gift of my family my sister uh works in professional sports and so she had connections with a bobblehead guy because who doesn't just have a bobblehead guy uh and she was like hey i need this like kind of joke gift for my brother like here's a few pictures of him and they created a bobblehead of me so i feel very um very dwight shruti with that on my desk and, and it's it's a lot of fun the next thing i have is the uh, national championship trophy for the division one men's tennis team because i am the chaplain at the university of virginia so i'm i'm coming at you live from charlottesville virginia but um the director of tennis and the head men's tennis coach is a parishioner of ours and a friend of mine. Okay, and... that makes more sense. Yeah, but like yeah, I was I... wondering why you had that one because when mm-hmm. I saw the trophy, I was like, famously Virginia a couple of years ago won the NCAA March Madness title, yes, men's basketball. So. Mm-hmm. so that was like the big deal, and clearly, I mean tennis. Not as well, big of a deal nationally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just general popularity of the sport. I mean, the big ones are college basketball and college football. Um, but we have a number of national champions uh, throughout other team sports and individual sports and things like that. So uh, he, are, like I said, our, our director of tennis and men's tennis coach is a parishioner and a friend of mine. And they were underdogs this past year. They won the Natty. Uh, nice. It was great. And uh, over the summer, he came to this beautiful moment and was like, yeah, listen, I, I, I accomplished the highest in my field. I'm a national champion. And guess what? Like it didn't really change my life. What changed my life was coming to this church every day for 10 minutes to pray. That's what changed my life. So he gave the trophy back to the Lord. He's like, I know this doesn't matter to the Lord, but here's the championship. Like here's the heights of my profession in my field because he's the one that actually matters. So, so he left ju- the trophy just, at the just church. Just like most priests that I know, someone gave something to the Lord and you intercepted it and kept it for yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. So thank you for calling me out. Uh, everybody else welcome. thinks it's really cool that I have the trophy, but you're the only one who sees through all of it. It's like, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> no, I, lo- I, I want to be clear. I love it. I just like yeah. poking fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's good. So maybe I did level up in the co-host uh, categories. <laughs> right, that, yeah, now yeah. you're uh, making fun of me. But yeah, that's that's well, the like, story behind that. Really, it's like my, my being mean is how I show love. Mm, but right, but the success of this show uh-huh. is will you make it through the full 60 minutes of me treating you like this? <laughs> uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, I think those are the three things. And then you can kind of maybe see the UVA logo underneath here. And um, I do have another bobblehead. It may be cut off in the shot or not. Um, That other bobblehead is Pope Francis. So I was wondering if you were just going to completely ignore him. Nope, he's there. He's on the he's shelf. There. He's there. Okay, so you and uh, the reason that yeah, I br- and I brought up the white dress. So the reason mm-hmm. that you are wearing a white dress is that you are from the order of preachers. I'm a Dominican Preacher. father, so yes. I'm a son of Saint Dominic, 800 years strong, baby. Um, I'm from the Eastern Province, so province of Saint Joseph. So big fans uh, all the way through. 
Um, I've been ordained now for like six and a half years. I was ordained in May of 2016. Really? I, yeah. For some reason, like not like you look young and you're good looking, but I like like. But my where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? Well, uh, don't worry about it. But <laughs> I, I thought like I thought you were a more seasoned priest than you are. I think yeah. I, you you do have this kind of air of like you know what you're doing. Now, to be fair, when I met you, you were in a dinosaur costume, so maybe I shouldn't awesome. have these thoughts. But there is some level of maturity, and I th- maybe it's the Dominican thing. Maybe it's it just could because be the you're you know, the, the, the smarts and the preaching. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. I just thought you were a priest for longer. Nope. I've only been a priest for six years, six and a half years. It's definitely the gray hair. Like I was not ordained with this much gray hair. Like this, this has come about over the last six years. Um, so that, that when you said seasoned priest, like I understand what you meant, like the salt and pepper is what you're looking at. Okay. That's exactly what you meant. I know. And, and just like when we met was, I didn't realize how close (laughs) when we met was like, what, four or five years ago, something like that. So I didn't realize how, like, I, like, I didn't realize how young of a priest you were then like i would have assumed then you were like a six seven year vet no i mean we we met at a focus conference uh we met at seek do you remember what city that was in uh it was in indianapolis indianapolis i don't don't remember what year they all kind of run together yeah it's it's all a big blur so that i may have been ordained like two years at that point when we met gotcha um yeah i just didn't realize that you just yeah uh, you you said this uh when i met you you were like wearing what you're wearing now and you look very uh professional doesn't really two hours later a dinosaur came up and started talking to me i was like who are you and you're like it's me (laughs) (laughs) which immediately as you say that makes me sound like the introduction to a mario brothers game like it's a me father joseph anthony (laughs) like weirdo what's going on here that's the other father anthony on this show Uh, oh remember he he's the italian one you're the Mid-Eastern mom. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you know. Don't you know. I, 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 you're very good at that. Speaking <laughs> of um, Midwest things, uh, so I am from Ohio, which I consider in the Midwest. Some people don't, but it's the Eastern part of the Midwest. Let's face it. Okay. You're from the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, I'm from Ohio, but I love ranch dressing, right? Who doesn't from the Midwest? When you're from the Midwest, you put ranch on everything, put it on pizza, you put it on chicken tenders, mozzarella sticks, like it's it goes on everything. I found out that like Hidden Valley Ranch sells a five gallon ranch keg. Like I'm I, I got to get a keg of ranch uh, and have some kind of party for it. We're having a get... kegger, bro. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, exactly the, right. The college campus minister is hosting a ranch kegger. <laughs> kegger. Like, like, is the Catholic campus ministry doing a kegger? Heck yeah, bro. Get over here. And they show up and it's just ranch dressing. Like, yeah. what, <laughs> what okay. a letdown. But actually, like, what a, what a crazy twist that would be. That would be very fun. I love it. Um, I don't know how to transition from five gallon bottle of ranch, uh, but I'm going to try. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, the other day I was at a uh, benefit dinner for okay. SPO, which, you know, they're involved in Catholic. Campus yeah, they ministry, do. Just they like campus ministry like stuff. Yeah. So um, a couple of their like leadership team have moved to our town, moved to our parish and, and they're they're great. And they ha- they hosted a benefit dinner and they tricked me into giving them money. So I went to their dinner. Right. That's what so, we do. Um, the speakers that night 
um, mm-hmm. I know one of them. It's a married couple. It was, it was Sarah right. Swafford and her husband, Dr. Swafford. Uh, cool. And Sarah and I have, you know, she's a speaker and she's incredible. She's one of my favorite, like, lady Catholic speakers, right? She's incredible. Mm-hmm. She's done student conferences. So I've seen her, like, as, like, when I was a youth minister bringing kids. And then I've, like, spoken at an event in the Midwest with her. I had some ranch in Iowa. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. the other four letters, four letter word from the Midwest. <laughs> See, listen, ranch finds its way into every uh, part of our lives. Like it's it's the main thread of connection. Like it's it's ranch. There's your transition moment. Speaking what of ranch? I had ranch with Sarah Swafford in Iowa. There was your transition. Well, I, it was I did it for you. Connection, but you know, I, I you had did to come it back for and redo you. It. Come on. <laughs> oh man. So. Uh, Sarah was like the intro speaker and then she would introduce her mm-hmm. husband and like Sarah's always been very complimentary of her husband so it was good to like hear him speak and he, and he spoke very well it's one of my favorite talks I've ever heard on like the moral life like yeah it's one of the, okay. the courses that he teaches and he's a theology professor at uh, Benedictine so it's just it was just cool to be around them but Sarah said something that you, oh. you know like you know there's multiple times where you like kind of feel things or know things internally but like mm-hmm. don't quite have like the perfect words for them right and yep. like a lot of times like that's what this show is for me it's like I have like thoughts and ideas but I don't have like a concise sentence or two that would make sense for social media it's like I need right. to come and like process these things out for 20 30 minutes right you don't have 140 characters but you do have 60 <laughs> minutes to just ramble and right. then you feel good about yourself and by the end of every show, I will have played 140 different characters. So it's a me, you know. So, um, so she said something that I like immediately felt. Okay. She said, "Show me your ministry. Uh, show me your misery, and I will show you your ministry. Show mm-hmm. me your misery, and I will show you." Your ministry. And okay. I have thoughts about that, but this is a new phrase for you. It, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks last Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you hear that. What, uh, what, what, do you, what do you have the, th- the thoughts? What are the thoughts that you have? What are the thoughts that have, acquired, that have been acquired in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think she's wrong in any sense. I, I, I see that uh, tremendously. I, I would pull maybe like a little bit of a, a kind of parallel to something that I see a lot in the priesthood and what I see a lot in like kind of the religious life that those moments that are like really important, crucial moments for our vocations, for our conversions and stuff like that. um, You find a lot of what I've, what I've seen are a lot of guys that want to then replicate that for somebody else's life. So let's just, you know, kind of place out if somebody has a major conversion in high school, you know, they have a certain drive to want to do high school ministry, to replicate that moment that was important for them in somebody else's life. If somebody came to deepen their faith in college, they want to do campus ministry, typically. Uh, if somebody comes through, you know, a very intellectual conversion, they want to be a professor or something like that. Now, obviously, this is not a hard and fast rule, but it's not uncommon that, you know, those important moments of conversion or deepening our faith also want to be replicated. Um, Again, so when she says, like, show me your misery and I will show you, um, you know, your ministry, what I see and hear in that is like typically it's where we're hurting the most that makes us vulnerable and receptive to mercy. It makes us vulnerable and receptive to somebody loving us unmeritedly and giving us the, the security and the mercy and love that we hunger for the most. And so it's in our misery, precisely where Jesus enters in, right? And answers those questions of identity, answers those questions of forgiveness and those types of things. So it 
tends to be like where we where we experience misery that there too is also where we experience mercy and then that motivates us to want to replicate that in somebody else's life want to do that same thing that was done for us in that same area for somebody else so as she or as you are conveying her words to me that's what makes me think of and, and think uh that yeah that totally tracks in that way it's interesting i i hadn't thought Essentially, you presented two options when I was only thinking about one of them. And then you presented the second that made me be like, oh, yeah, that is. And I even see both within me. Right. So Mm -hmm. the reason that I got your first example was the example of my life. Right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like I had a great experience in youth ministry. I then worked in youth ministry for over a decade. and I still do a lot of youth events and stuff. So it was like that trying to replicate that that scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. and I would. um in my mind, I would I like in my mind, I don't connect that to the misery part, but I do see the point of the replication, right? This right, is where right. I experience God and I want other people to, to connect with that. The thing that hit me with the misery, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of we all either do both of these or one of these, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. second option is a lot of my ministry has bec- has come has become trying to fill a gap of what I was missing in my formation, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of things that were missing in my formation, the primary one was I was bored out of my mind around most <laughs> Catholic things at, at mass, CCE, youth ministry. I was bored out of my mind. So yeah. what has most of my ministry become? Sharing the joy of the gospel, that this uh-huh. is good news, that like, you know, adding some comedy, adding some entertainment value, because mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. something that I saw was missing, Right. Right. And I see this a lot now outside of myself. It's like I was just talking to one of my friends earlier who's like a big Latin mass guy. And he it's because he went to a pretty a fairly liturgically liberal church growing up. Yeah. And it's kind of that overcorrection of like his misery mm-hmm. was missing the tradition of the church. And he's mm-hmm. kind of going to, you know, trying to go to the other side of of the Catholic Church. And so it's it's very interesting that you brought up the repetition because some people are either doing both in different areas of the life. They're they're Mm -hmm. trying to replicate for other people or kind of correcting what was missing. And that's where I saw like the misery. It was, there was something missing in my local mm -hmm. Catholic church. Yeah. Well, I, you bring up that kind of like whiplash syndrome and we see this with like parents and children all the time, like parents raise their kids and something and they, the kids tend to rebel or react in the opposite extreme. Sometimes and they're like, whoa, why is this happening? Or, or things like, whoa, they weren't getting a, a kind of, I don't want to say, harmonious presentation of the virtuous life or harmonious presentation of life. So they're reacting from one side to the other. And that can be exactly what you're saying is like, okay, this misery is addressing or maybe this misery that I have is highlighting something that's been neglected in my life, something that I hunger for but hasn't been offered. So now that's going to become my ministry. Right. This is going to become something that even though it wasn't done for me, it doesn't mean I can't do this for somebody else because you have that experience of misery, knowing that there's probably somebody else that feels that same way, somebody else who hungers for that same thing. So now this is I'm going to step into something and provide it, even though that wasn't given to me. I mean, I've done that many times and I get very frustrated with, you know, whatever it may be, aspects of formation or, you know. Uh, whatever it may be in the priesthood or in our campus ministry and say like, I can recognize that. And I feel a certain pain because nobody did that for me. 
but that doesn't mean I can't turn around and and give that to somebody else because I know the importance of it. I know the the priority that it should have. And even though it wasn't done for me, that's a tragedy. That's a hurt. That's a misery. I can then turn around and make sure that that's done for somebody else so that they don't have that misery. Yeah. So um, I have a challenge and an invitation after this conversation. Oh. So the, okay. I think the challenge would be to look at, you know, me to look at myself, you to look at yourself, mm-hmm. everybody listening to look at themselves and say, what are the parts, like the, 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 when it comes to your faith and how you live out your faith, what are the things that you are like replicating that have worked for you in the past? Mm-hmm. And then what are the things that uh, you are kind of trying to correct and maybe even overcorrect? And I think just being able to look at those things and kind yep. of evaluate that things might help with some spiritual growth. The invitation is um, the, the, the exciting part of the misery aspect, which is a weird thing to say, to be excited yeah, about misery. Exactly. Right? But a lot of times it sounds it like comes... a night or late nineties, early two thousands emo song. <laughs> right. The exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. part of misery. You have like hair like swiping across your forehead and your eyes. I did have hair back then swiping across my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a subtle jab at you. <laughs> you want to step at you. me. You're, Bam, you're, I got it back. You're fitting it perfectly. <laughs> um but I think the um the ex- the exciting part or the um the encouraging part in in our ministry or in our misery is that a lot of times people feel ill-equipped for ministry. You're a priest, mm-hmm. I've worked in ministry my whole life, but a lot of people yeah. listening have have not worked professionally in ministry, but it's one what you know about and what you are equipped to do is to help people through things that have been a misery for you, right? Like mm-hmm. who are the sponsors for AA? People who went through AA and are now right. clean and sober, who like, I'm not the perfect person to help a, a woman who has been abused, but I know a lot of women who have been abused who have found healing from that and they would be perfect to walk through, walk with somebody through that. I know people who have been um, you know, hurt by the church and there are people mm-hmm. who have gone through that and suffered through it and there was misery, but now there has been healing. I know people who have X, Y, Z, like whatever your yep. misery has been. And, and like, you know, maybe there's partial healing, maybe there's full healing, but either way, you're able to specifically empathize with those people in a special way and be able to have conversations with, hey, these are the, these are the things that are either currently working for me or have worked right. for me in the past. And I, I just thought that was like, it was very freeing the way that Sarah said it of like, you don't have to have the, you know, like, yeah, being a priest school and having the degrees and yeah. being, being a smart Dominican school. But it's like there are there are people who have because of their life experience can help people through those similar life experiences even more than you or I could in, in those situations. Yeah, I think that's super important that what is for me exciting about uh, Sarah's quote and uh, what is, you know, and this may sound crazy, but is a source of hope is that even in your hurt, even in your misery, there's hope that you can have a ministry, right? I think there's this, um, unfortunately, there's this kind of desire sometimes for perfectionism that like, oh, even if I'm hurting, struggling with something, I got to fix all my stuff. I got to perfect myself. I got to become pristine before I can actually engage in ministry. It's like actually right there where that hurt is, is where your ministry is. Like, you don't need to, like, kind of downplay that or, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that you need to be overshare and, and things like that. There, There's a legitimate sense of healing that needs to go into things before we can lead others. But um, to not be afraid of those things, that those things don't paralyze us, uh, uh, an experience of misery or uh, struggle doesn't paralyze us from engaging in ministry. 
because it actually might be the very source and the very local like location of our ministry itself. Yeah, I mean, just to bring back something you said earlier, it's like where we received mercy, so we're probably going to be pretty apt to share mercy and help Mm -hmm. people have an encounter with God's mercy in those situations. So, all right, we're going to take a break. Whenever we come back, we are going to be talking about, uh, I'm going to be talking with a religious priest about how to be in the world and not of the world. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We have a new sponsor today, and it's funny with one of the uh, conversations we're going to be having later about church music in our final segment. Uh, Liturgy.com makes it easy to plan music and prepare the liturgy for your parish. You can easily prepare for mass um, with features like the ability to save and share and print your outlines, audio, sheet music previews, expert song suggestions. So if you are um, involved with liturgy planning, music planning at your parish, maybe you're a volunteer, maybe you work for the parish, liturgy.com is the place to go or if you're just a regular parishioner in a place where the music kind of struggles which is um, I've done the research 98% of Catholic parishes in America maybe you could suggest this kindly to a pastor or a uh, music director or something like that as a way to help them and assist them now it's more affordable than ever with three new subscription options premium plus and a free basic option join today by visiting liturgy.com just in time to prepare for the advent and christmas seasons i was a music director at a parish once if you don't know that they're already planning advent and christmas you are crazy these people are working hard for your parish and liturgy.com can help them plan make their lives easier so check it out for yourselves you can sign up for a free subscription with no credit card required at the link in the description below check out liturgy.com today for all of your mass planning music liturgical needs welcome back to forte catholic i am taylor stroll and that is father joseph anthony crest the dominican priest who's just hanging out with me and doing a little dance <laughs> yeah i was just thinking like you have you have co-hosts and you have priests that help out but you, do you have any religious no, just diocesan. Just diocesan. there it is. Yeah. Okay. Fill in a void. That's all I'm saying. Fill in a <laughs> void over here. It was a it was a misery that I did not have a religious priest on here. And uh, I filled in that gap. Uh-huh. So, yeah, um, I had an interesting conversation with someone the other day, and for the most part, obviously, I'm I, very clearly I make mistakes, but for the most part, I'm like, if I am doing something in my life, with a few exceptions. It's because I think it's what it is, the right thing for me, what I think is the right thing for my family, what I think is the right thing for people. Typically, like, I'm doing the things that I think are right, right? Okay. Um, uh, So somebody challenged me on something that I, of how I live, not in like a provoking way or saying what I was doing was wrong, Mm. but it was a, it was in a questioning way that made me question what I was doing. Not like, oh, I immediately think I'm wrong, but I wanted to have the conversation with somebody who is not me, right? <laughs> that that can like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. give me some insight into this. So, Are we doing like on-air counseling now? Is that what we're doing now? A- absolutely. We're going okay. to look at the things behind <laughs> me on my desk and you're going to tell, <laughs> tell me what that means. So let's dig into your past there, Taylor. Uh, what's funny is my desk is actually in front of me and yeah, it is incredibly a mess and it is mostly just wires. There's a hammer, <laughs> there's AirPods, there's some water, there's um, 87 rechargeable batteries. Like, it's just a studio. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's just how everything in here works. It's nothing. Love it. Fancy. Love it. So my my life's a mess. My desk is a mess. <laughs> That's all it says. Um, but this person was, was talking to me and um, they were saying, how have how have you talking to me? How have you, mm-hmm, Taylor, mm-hmm. not been 
banned from social media? How have you not been kicked off of Facebook? How have you not been kicked off of Twitter? Because they have been kicked off of Facebook and Twitter because they are a good practicing Catholic and they share all of the church's teaching wherever Mm. they can, including online. So sharing about um, abortion and politics and um, gay marriage and transgender stuff. They're constantly talking about those things on Mm. platforms where if you talk about those things, you get banned fairly quickly, right? You might get a little warning, but then you'll get a day ban, yeah. then you'll get a three-day ban, then you'll get a perma ban, right? Yeah. And so it, it, it was one of those things where it's like, like I mentioned earlier, the way that I live my life online is the way that I think is best. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what she was noticing and what it brought to my attention is those are not subjects that I talk about online because yeah. I would like to keep a presence online. I would mm-hmm. like to keep a YouTube channel. I would like to be able to stay on Apple Podcasts. I would like to be able to stay on Instagram. But it brought up this whole like in the world, not of the world kind of idea. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of uh, parse that out because yeah. I have been doing what I thought was right. But maybe this was a challenge. Maybe I should be sharing the fullness of truth online. Maybe I should. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of get your initial thoughts on um, some Catholics are being so Catholic that they're getting banned publicly, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not Catholic enough to get banned <laughs> publicly. Yeah. That's actually, that's you know, I think we're moving into a phase where, like, the real marks of holiness is whether or not you're banned on social media. Like, that that's what this is di- di- dialing down to, uh, yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get up to the sides. Get up to the toe from Facebook. <laughs> get up to the pearly gates in uh, St. Peter's. Like, eh, what's Mark Zuckerberg say about you? Has he banned you? No? No. <laughs> All right, purgatory it is. Oh, you did get banned from Meta. All right, come on in. Come on in. Uh, Yeah, that is not what's uh, happening for the record. You have a TikTok? Enjoy hell. (laughs) (laughs) Keep doing your dances for eternity in hell. Says the guy who started this segment with a dance. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Got me. No. Uh, So I, I think... It's it's really important to see how we engage the current culture. Um, I'm going to be influenced and kind of pulling a lot from a book that I read um, from Monsignor Shea, who's the president of the University of Mary. I love this book. I, it, it finds its way into every conversation that I have, pretty much. Um, the book is from Christendom to the Apostolic Mission. And one of the things he mentions in there, which I think is really, really important, is that you know we have moved and swung from a different age. Like The church lives in two kind of epics, two ages. It's either living in Christendom or it's living in an apostolic age. And it fluctuates. Like This is very common for the church's history that it swings from one to the other. And so we're in that transition currently from a Christendom age to an apostolic age. So really Um, quickly, what's the difference? What's the difference between a Christendom age and an apostolic age? Yeah, I think a Christendom age is where the, the faith, Christianity, has a major influence throughout the society. So it's throughout the lived experience on a daily basis the Christian faith has a major influence. So it influences the institutions, it influences education, government, and things are lived according to general Christian principles. In an apostolic age, Christianity is no longer the major influence in a society's lived reality. Um, And so those are the kind of two major influences. Um, So in and, and so Monsignor says, makes the argument, and I agree with him, that we have transitioned into an apostolic age. And part of the struggle is when you live in an apostolic age and you're trying to live according to like 
Christendom principles and that it demands different skill sets. And so you kind of have to understand that before you engage. One of the skill sets, and this is where I'm getting to kind of your point, I think one of the skill sets is to see how do you interact or how do you stand in front of an unbelieving culture? Like that's the line he says is like, how do we as Christians who are believers, you know, who are faith tale people, how do we stand? How do we interact in front of a culture that is no longer believing, is no longer convinced of Christian principles or, um, you know, criteria and whatnot? <clears throat> and he says the way that you do that is you stand in front of them and offer invitation. The struggle is when you stand in front of an unbelieving culture and world and try to impose or legislate the the faith and try to impose the legislation or impose the realities of the faith on an unbelieving world. And that's where the tensions and the fight hits. So I think when we talk about like, how do you now in our current culture, how do we live in the world, not of the world, precisely in an apostolic era, we have to live in the world and engage with that unbelieving world via invitation. So like, like, yeah, I know there's truth in reality, and I know there's truth about human sexuality and creation, and I know there's truth about our identity and all these other issues. I want to invite you to experience that. I want to invite you and share with you that versus the fight. No, I need you need to commit. You need to impose this and, and that kind of stuff. So I think that those that want to become culture warriors want to impose the truth, impose the reality, and not necessarily invite people into it. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and it makes it makes sense with the just uh, this conversation that I was having. Is I mm -hmm. tend to be more of an invitation kind of person, exactly. and she is pretty much. Uh, imposing she, she's going to share her thoughts no matter what the audience and no matter who she's around and we love it about her and it's a little, little uh, frustrating every now and then you know <laughs> but it's just um it's just that kind of more like antagonistic mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know um uh approach right um so i i hear what you're saying and i'm and like essentially how i approach these things is pretty typically uh i'm not going to tackle hot button issues on social media uh, for right. a couple of reasons one because it's not does not tend to be the place where mm -hmm. where um uh it is one allowed two um <laughs> received well even if it is right. allowed it's that's not where hearts are going to change right mm -hmm. um so essentially how i do it and even with like last week's episode it's like i, I um I wrestled with my internal thoughts mm -hmm. and my internal wrestling about my just kind of intellectual and like emotional reaction to the Shia LaBeouf and Bishop Barbara Barron discussion. Yeah. I yeah, had yeah. mixed feelings on it. And for three weeks, I just kind of stewed and didn't share anything on okay. social yeah. media because, and then I finally realized that like, I can't share my thoughts about this on social media. One, cause they're, cause they're more complicated than, than to be concise easy right easy yeah um and and i think it would just cause more harm than good so mm -hmm. the decision was after spending three weeks of thinking about it and kind of pondering it then i came on here and we talked about it for uh, 30 minutes and i was able to get my thoughts out but it took almost that whole yeah. 30 minutes <laughs> to get like my full kind of thoughts on the matter right and it's like not everybody has a, a podcast mm -hmm. i understand that. well most people do but not everybody does any but, schmuck but, can have a podcast come right. on um but like for me this podcast is having long long form mm -hmm. conversations with my friends about 
things that I want to talk about, right? So it's like everybody can have conversations with their friends about things they want to talk about. And so I think for me, a lot of the hot button issues, like the things that I don't talk about on social media, you know, uh, gay marriage and abortion and and those sorts of things. It's like I'm having those conversations fairly regularly in my life, especially Mm -hmm, in like mm -hmm. the ministry that I'm doing at our parish and in conversations that I'm having with with people, right? Um, It's just very rare for me to address it on social media. So here's... so. But I I want to pick up on that before you go too deep. Like one of the things I've learned from ministry and like actually running a ministry and and running a staff and knowing how to do that is you have to establish trust before you can move to conflict. And like conflict's good and healthy and and can be good. Um, But that you can only do that if there is an established trust there. And typically on social media, it's impersonal. And so you're throwing, you're trying to jump to conflict to these hot button issues without actually having a trust with people. And so like that, you're, that isn't the place to deal with these hot button issues. That isn't the place to kind of poke the bear and deal with this. Like, you know, if there's going to be some level of conflict, it needs to be done within the context of a relationship, within the context of a trusting relationship uh, for it to actually be fruitful and be charitably done. And if you don't have that, then it's like, yeah, you're not going to engage in that. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see the purpose of that either. Yeah. And ultimately it's like, who's it for? Is it for you to feel better? Cause you want an argument or is it for the sake of the other person, which leads me to like the, the, the final end of this, right? Right. Because it, it, the, the, the struggle that I have is like, essentially everything that you have said has kind of backed up how, how, how I have been doing things. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of, uh, reaffirmed me. But the the end is what happens if and like anytime you get into hypotheticals, they might not be completely real. Right. Right, But what happens when people like me who have the knowledge on and desire to share truth and, Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, has the knowledge to be able to answer questions on some of these hot button issues. What happens when all of us leave either leave social media platforms or are not talking about these issues, right? Because mm-hmm. essentially the end is it used to be okay to talk about in these public forums of Facebook and Twitter right, and Instagram, right. and now they are policing it down to where it is not. Um, so eventually, if people take the approach that I am taking, mm-hmm. eventually there are no voices of the truth on these certain matters in this huge public forum, right? So yep. that's been that's been the only thing kind of tugging because it's like, like I mentioned at the beginning, I think what I'm doing is correct. It's correct. Yep. And, and, it, and it fits very well with my personality and how I go about things. You've mentioned about the invitation with the apostolic age. It all seems to fit, but I can see a world in mm-hmm, 5, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years where everyone is if everyone is doing what i am doing then there is nobody sharing the truth in these huge public forums yeah what do you think i mean i i think that it's going to create a vacuum in some capacity and and that's the reality if you're going to lock this stuff down right there's the whole kind of you know american idealism here of free speech and and things like that but there is going to be you know if these things do get kind of locked down and and unable to be discussed in those areas and uh, people of faith don't have an opportunity to speak freely and defend their faith or engage in some context. I just don't think social media is a platform of legitimate conversation and engagement. And I think there's a deep re- uh, difference between being connected and being in somebody's presence. And I think that, um, 
you know, social media, it does not lend itself to actual conversation and engagement. I think it leads to arguments and connectedness. And these hot button issues that that's they need to be done in conversation and in relationship. And so I actually don't think that's a platform or social media is the platform to actually engage with it at all. Um, so I, I don't know, like, I don't see that as a problem because I don't think that is the platform through which this can be dealt with at all. You know, so, um, so you heard it here, guys. Taylor and Father Joseph Anthony Crest just want to see all social media burned down to the ground in a big ball of flames over the next five. It's so years. funny, man. <laughs> I've I've done this so many times. Like I'm very critical of uh, digital uh, me, uh, digital engagements. I'm very critical of screens and stuff like that. And here I'm somewhat of a content producer. You know, I'm I'm we run our own podcast with a the God's Planning podcast that has a huge reach. You know, me and uh, a few of my classmates run that. And it's got a huge reach and we've launched that in such a way that it's been very formative. It's been somewhat entertaining. And now we do in-person retreats and whatnot. So like those things are really fun and I'm, I'm active in these ways, but I'm also very critical of it too. So I find myself like, uh, on both, both camps depending. Um, but I, I do think that like it has to be intentionally engaged, but like, I don't know. Sometimes that's, that's not the you have to look at the way that it's used and what it offers and then utilize it for that and not try to force it to be something that it's not. Yeah. And I think you're ending kind of as in, in a similar way that I started of saying, like, I'm doing what I think is right. Yeah. But every now and then I'm going to allow mm -hmm. it to be challenged, which I think mm -hmm. is which I think is healthy. So uh, we're going to take a little break. Uh, whenever we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, one, a very uh, kind of funny story from, <laughs> from my son um, and a not so funny story from a recent mess that I went to. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our pilgrimage to Rome next summer that we are very, very excited about in late May, early June. You can find all that information at ForteCatholic.com slash travel. Travel, that's that word, not travel. That'd be a weird place to go. Maybe I'll put uh, T-R-A-B-E-L and it'll redirect to travel. Who knows? But uh, maybe don't do that. Just go to ForteCatholic.com slash travel. But our friends at Select International Tours who are helping us they're doing all the heavy lifting on this trip. They have a bunch of other trips. I've had a few people reach out and say that they can't go because they already have commitments next summer. Don't worry. They have a bunch of other great pilgrimages, especially some more coming up pretty soon. Uh, so if you go to Select International Tours, Google it, type it in. It's the easiest way to find the website. On featured trips, they are offering... Um, some free money off of those trips, up to $250 off, especially their trips to Mexico to see Our Lady Guadalupe, all of those great trips available. So um, head on over to their site today, Select International Tours. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll. That is still Father Joseph Anthony Cress. OP. He is so Let's overpowered. Um, <laughs> so two stories to close out our, our time together. Uh, one... I was at mass uh, this this past weekend, and good good for you. Happy. Well, it was close. I almost didn't make it. I watched seven <laughs> hours of NFL football and then decided to okay, I'll go now. And I went to the okay. seven fifteen mass. <laughs> it's like it's at a college campus. Um, uh -huh, maybe I should have right. said that because I'm narrowing now. I'm narrowing down where I went. But um, there was a singer there that uh, yes. um, was just doing a little too much, right? And it wasn't like um, it wasn't like completely inappropriate. It wasn't like they were trying to make it about them, but let's just say they had the skills to do something like this, 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And this is what they were trying to do. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They're trying to do something like that, and it sounded not good. <laughs> not good. So by going through a 730 mass meant you drive to Atlanta and went to a, a Baptist church in Atlanta is what you did. Oh, man, that is rough. That I told you I'd be it. 160 characters by the end of this. <laughs> um, so she was just trying to do a little bit too much. A little bit. A little and it was bit. just one of those, like, oh, honey moments. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, honey. like, uh, And... I wrestled with it because I'm a musician and it's kind of yeah, hard for yeah. me to be around bad music. And it wasn't bad, but it did. It just wasn't good. Either. Right. It just still kind of bothered me of like, mm -hmm. it's, it is great. I'm a huge fan of like trying to grow. And the way that you grow is to do things out of your comfort range. Like, yeah, especially with singing, you have to try to kind of go and try and go for it. You're going to be flat. You're going to be sharp every now and then, but you have to kind of go for it. But you do those things in practice during the week, <laughs> and then you do the height, like the the uh, the the highest, because you want to give your best to God, to the people of God. You do the mm -hmm. highest of your performance level that you can do well, no more, yeah. no less, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to do less because then you're not giving all your gifts to God, but you don't want to do more because then you're kind of ruining the experience for other people. Um, so it was kind of one of those do less moments. Yeah, do less. Never be afraid to do less. I, I mean, when it comes to like the kind of flair and the dramatic uh, of music, it's just like, all right. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, this isn't your performance. This isn't your stage. Like, this isn't even for for you to give. I, I mean, dare I even say, this isn't for you to give your best to God. Like, I remember being at a parish as a Dominican once and the cantor there was uh, classically trained, but she was an opera singer. Like, you know, and she worked for that city's opera and like she that was her full time gig. Mm -hmm. But when she was the cantor at mass, she didn't sing opera because her role, her like liturgical role wasn't to give her best to God, was actually to lead the congregation in singing. And so she had to like, in some sense, like check her best so that she could lead the congregation in the responses, lead the congregation in the hymns. So like, I, I think it's not even just like getting to that point of like, oh, is this a performance or not? But it's just like, do you have the humility to actually say, no, I'm the leader vocally, musically of this congregation and to lead them in worship, to lead them in worshiping their God uh, in that way. And I think that's where it's like, Listen, if your if your hand starts moving up to your ear <laughs> on a, in the church, you're done. You sit down, honey. You're done. Okay. And I I think we have all been in situations where totally. where where the musician was making it about them. It was not my my assumption that that was okay. this case. This case was more of a. Um, well, how was I going to say it? it? It didn't feel like a pride thing or trying to mm -hmm. do their best. It was just more of a um, a, a lack of self awareness of. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think I think said person at said unknown evening mass at unknown place in unknown the southern large, state, very very, uh, very large state, university you know, near me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think said person probably needs friends. 
somebody that can tell said person, you know, the hard truths of you probably shouldn't do that. Like, that's not actually helpful. Um, you know, yeah. I don't know. Uh, let, let's just say that um, this person's boss has a role within this organization. <laughs> and I could text said boss and be like, hey, can you fix this? <laughs> but I probably won't because I'm not her friend. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that's it. Like, you you don't have the relationship of trust to approach that kind of conflict. Getting back to the last segment, there it is. Um, but yeah, I'm still, to... still not quite sure how to transition away from that five gallon bottle of ranch. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. We're almost there. Like I was going to try to make it through all three segments. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> also, um, if like, it is one of my goals in life to show up at a party that has a ranch fountain that just like chicken tenders and mozzarella sticks, just like, like laid out in a beautiful, fancy, uh, you know, hors d'oeuvre sets in a ranch fountain, just cascading. Well, I did invite you to go on a very fancy trip, and you you had to, you know, you pleasantly declined. It's true. But it I would did. be funny. One one day, you and I are going to do a fancy trip together, and we I are. would like you to bring a five-gallon jug <laughs> overseas. Like, ha- have that be your checked just like, luggage. And just show up in wherever we are, Rome, the Holy Land, whatever. Bulgaria with ranch dressing. <laughs> Stupid Americans. Um, okay, so this, there was, a, there was another story, um, same weekend. It was the, It was the morning before, Saturday morning. Okay. Where it was a little of a lack of balance in how one thought about oneself and a little bit of lack of self-awareness. Okay. Um, my son is 100% my son, and he proved that this weekend. <laughs> so uh, my son has ne- Is he has- bald already? <laughs> but no, but he was when he was born. Oh, okay. <laughs> we had the same amount of hair for a couple of years. Um, but... Um, you know, people who have li- listening for a while um, know that I didn't used to be this uh, fat. I used to be a very good athlete. I was a college athlete. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't win the good. tennis nationals, but I was pretty good. You know. Yeah. Um, so my son, you know, being the son of of me and a long line of you know athletes, he's um, a pretty good athlete, but he's never played organized sports. Uh, okay. So two weeks ago. He had his first ever football practice, but he wasn't able to play because he had um, tubes put in his ears the day before and he was still resting. So he went to practice. He was able to learn, but not physically able to do anything. The next week, which was this past Friday, um, he went to practice and was able to be a full participant in practice. The next morning, he had his first ever scrimmage. And we Mm -hmm. went to this scrimmage and... You know, it is a scrimmage of nine-year-olds playing football. Like, it, well, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and he did make a few good plays. Okay. Um, but this was the first time they didn't practice any defense at all in their two practices. They only practiced offense. Um, yeah, yeah. The other team didn't have enough players, so he ended up playing for the other team. Another team, yeah. So even the stuff that he learned didn't apply because it was a different right. coach, a different team. <laughs> so he had never practiced defense, ended up only playing defense on this day, and he made some pretty good plays, but it's he not only, like... He knew the entire offense because they practiced it beforehand. <laughs> That's why he made the Scout good plays. Scout team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not because he's athletic. He was just freaking smart. Right. He, like, he knew the entire playbook. He's like, I right. know that audible. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knew everything they were doing. Um, <laughs> they're nine-year-olds. They're not that organized. It's fine. Their offense is scattered! <laughs> you know? Go. So, um, after the game, it was this balance, both as his father, but also somebody who coaches sports and and wants the best for my son. All these things. He consistently, after the game, 
driving home from the game throughout the day. Like we're hanging out most of the Saturday and okay, he's just saying good. how good he did and how he's, he's so good at flag football and he's the best. And he probably doesn't even need to like go to practice anymore. Cause he's fine. Like I could tell, like there's a couple of times, like after he made a few good plays, he started like not listening to the coach. Like he, he's been playing flag football for 87 minutes. <laughs> total like not that day total and total. he is like he is like i'm the shiz you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and it was this like for me one he's nine it doesn't ultimately matter and it was just kind of funny yeah but it was just kind of funny to see a similar thing of like of this balance of like me as a father i want to be balanced of like you played very well but mm-hmm. you also need to continue to want to work hard, continue to listen to your coaches. Um, he found no balance. He thinks he's no. God's gift to flag football. <laughs> that's going to take him far in life, right? Flag, yeah. That flag football career? Yeah. Make sure that he knows that's his ride to full college education is flag football. For sure. And he's got it. Y'all don't have that? You don't You don't have the coach to flag football at, at Virginia? <laughs> uh, no, we don't. I mean, we have an intramural flag football, but that's you kind of have to pay for that. It's not going to pay you for that. Right. <laughs> um, no, I think that he's got to be able to, I mean, that, that whole aspect of like having somebody to check you and um, knowing the difference between individualism and like being integrated into a community. Right. It means there's always in, in a team or in a community, there's always somebody better than you. And there's always somebody less than you. Like in a business, there's always I've somebody never had that higher than you. But, you know, yeah. Because well, it's true for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's where like getting back to the singer, like this, they're probably really good by themselves. But like once they get into a communal situation, whether that's leading a congregation or a team sport, that doesn't matter. Um, do you remember? No, I mean, do you remember the 1992 um, Olympic men's basketball team, the Dream Team? I mean, I I, I know of them from later. I mean, I was two Great, at the time, so you. I don't like have like legitimate memories. But I like had easy. Some I was later. five, and I remember <laughs> it. Okay, that was a major moment in my life. Uh, but they like they won gold. They just like rolled over everybody. And the United States won gold in men's basketball for the next like 38 years or whatever, and then. We lost and barely made bronze, I think, like a few years ago. Uh, I forget what it was, like 2002 or something like that. And the reason why (laughs) that was like 20 years ago, isn't that hilarious? (laughs) No, I think it was like 2012. I don't know, Olympics, whatever. It was recent. First time the United States lost gold medal since 92, let's put it that way. But the reason why was because there's a bunch of individual stars and no team athlete. It wasn't no, no team mentality. Individual athletes, no team. So the reason why this is important is like, okay, if you're going to live in community, this isn't about individualism. If you're going to live in community, you're going to lead a community in some capacity, you have to be able to be humble enough to say, these are my strengths, but these are our weaknesses. And you can't think that you're the best out there. I mean... The singer to, uh, you know, the athlete, it's it's going to be the same story. Yeah. And I think the thing that that um, stuck out to me the most with my son is because obviously I have a relationship with him, not the singer. But the, the conversation <laughs> and trying to find the balance of it's just c- constantly holding in the tension like mm-hmm. that I hold within myself of mm. I am very good at this and I'm going to work my butt off to continue mm-hmm. to get better. Right. Um and that's how I approach most things in my life. Like I'm a pretty confident person in the things that right. 
mm-hmm. uh, that I that I am good at, but it's never a complacency of like I am constantly challenging myself to get better. And I think that's a hard thing to teach people, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm trying to instill it in my son. I, I have to do it a lot with um right. uh with coaching like the track kids at at the school. But then I think a lot of times it's it's easier with kids. When I try to do that with adults, it is oh, almost man. always taken as a diss, right? Yeah. Totally. Of like totally. Any like anytime I try to give some kind of professional feedback of like, hey, let's try to get better in this area, mm-hmm. it it can often hit people as, oh, I'm not good enough or he doesn't think I'm good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, no, like I'm trying to get back to like teaching a nine-year-old. It's like, yes, you are good. You are loved. You're cared for. You're awesome. You're great. But at the same time, we need to keep working. We need to keep listening. We need to keep. And it's like, it's just one of those things that I've noticed that it is harder for adults to hear that. But it's yeah. just like, it's this, it's one of the most basic lessons that we were supposed to learn as kids that just gets a little harder as pride gets in the way as we get older. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that thing that we always want to, and you could talk about social media and perfectionism, like ex, like throws this on an exponential level, is that we feel like we always have to have our ish put together. And if somebody says, mm, you could do better, then you feel like it's a total catastrophe now. Instead of like, yeah, you're probably right, I can do better in these other areas. And so it's like, I'm always a full package deal. And I have to present myself as completely packaged and good. And so if anybody critiques that or anybody doesn't like that, then they hate all of me and it's catastrophic. And I go into a tailspin and it's like, shut up. We all have baggage. We all have areas we can get better. Just deal with it. So, so the final, the final word to all the listeners is you are awesome and great, but you could probably be doing a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, my final uh, coming to- from the Dominican, right? <laughs> Work harder at your right. holiness, right? <laughs> That's exactly what St. Dominic founded this order for is to tell right. people to work harder and do better. Okay. And whip people with your rosaries. Exactly. Um, That's sarcasm. That is not the reality, just for the records here. Okay. Oh, it's I'm all mercy. <laughs> <laughs> and then my final message to you is you did great. This was so much fun. You oh, probably you. could have done a little better, but it was great. I really okay. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, you mentioned the podcast earlier, God's Planning. People yeah. can go mm-hmm. check that out wherever they listen to podcasts. And then I know that you are also on the Instagram that you hate. Uh, how, uh, so, how do you want people to uh, get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, check us out on all the podcast podcast platforms as well as YouTube. It's Godsplaining is our podcast. Um, and then personally, I have an Instagram. I'm not super active on it. I've kind of taken a little bit of sabbatical, but I do check it time to time. And that is J-A-C-R-E-S-O-P. But I would say if you're going to check anything, check our campus ministries Instagram. It's fire. Our students are amazing at it. Their artwork's touching and really good. And that handle is at Catholic Who's H O O S. So that's our ministry, Catholic Who's at UVA. Yeah, make sure you spell that one right. H O O S, right? That's you know, you gotta gotta be uh, wary of that autocorrect. It can throw you for a loop. But uh, follow our campus ministries uh, Instagram. It's it's a pretty fire one. Cool. If y'all haven't done an episode yet. Um, about Jesus and called it God became mansplaining, then you're failing as a podcast. Uh, I'm Taylor Scholl. That's Father Joseph Anthony Cress. Thank you for filling in. Thank all of you for watching, listening today. I will be back next week. See ya!
Thank you guys for watching and listening today. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening, and especially on YouTube. We have a new series on YouTube. I've been talking about Catholic Foundations for months on the show, and we are finally um, doing video recordings of this 10-week lecture series um, called Catholic Foundations. It is the top 10 things that Catholics need to know, the top 10 topics. So essentially, it is a 10-week uh, systematic course trying to get the basics of Catholicism. So you can check out all those videos only on YouTube, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. Uh, we have the intro up already. We have our um, video on divine revelation up already. We have our video of the Trinity going up this week. Uh, we've got uh, the sacraments next week. So if you're looking for some more um, uh, kind of teachings on the faith from people who have been in ministry for a long time with master's degrees, you know, it might be a good thing for you to try out at ForteCatholic.com slash Nope, youtube.com slash Forte Catholic. Uh, hit subscribe over there. We hope that you check out those videos and we will see you guys very soon.